to rejoice about this morning. Amen. Let's turn to page 121, please. Let's all stand. Page number 121. I'm sorry, I told you 121. Page 221. I need to learn how to read. Page 221. How firm a foundation. We'll sing all verses as we begin this morning. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent Word. What more can He say than to you He hath said to you who for refuge to Jesus hath fled in every condition in sin? In poverty's fail, or abounding in wealth, at home and abroad, on the land, on the sea, as your days may demand, shall your strength ever be. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be. Sure, good to be in God's house, and sure thankful uh, that you're here this morning. Good to have our, our guests here uh, with us as well, and we're thankful that you chose to be here at Faith Baptist Church uh, this morning. And so, uh, let's go to the Lord in in prayer and ask God's blessing on our time uh, together. I did just want to mention a couple of things. Of course, ladies, don't forget about there's a ladies' meeting uh, this coming uh, Tuesday night at seven o'clock. It's also a baby shower. Uh, for Miss Shelby Dawsing, and so she is registered in a couple of places. You can get that there uh, in the bulletin. And then, of course, this coming Friday is our harvest party, and excited uh, about that, and, and sure want to be a blessing to families. But let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Jack Parker if you would pray for us this morning.
Amen. Let's turn to page 293. <clears throat> page number 293. What a change since Jesus came into your heart. If you know him as your Savior, say amen this morning. He does make a great change. Let's sing it out on that first verse. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Some joy or my soul like the sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart. On verse 3, I'm possessed of a hope that is steadfast and sure since Jesus came into my heart. And no dark clouds of doubt, now my pathway obscure since Jesus came into my heart. I shall go there to dwell in that city I know since Jesus came into my heart. And I'm happy, so happy as onward I go since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Joy o'er my soul, like the sea billows roll, since Jesus came into my heart. Amen. Page 176 now. Page 176. Only through the blood did Jesus come into your heart. Amen. Page 176. There's power, power, power in the blood. Sing it out on that first verse. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you more evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's time. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Whiter, much whiter than snow. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Since things are lost in 
Let's get around and shake hands together this morning. It's good to have each one of you here. Good to have many visiting with us today. We're thankful you're here with us this morning. Page 176, if you lost that page, we're going to pick it up on the chorus. There's power in the blood. Page 176. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. On that last verse, would you do service for Jesus your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. Brother Tim. As the men come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Psalm 59, verse 16. It says, But I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. For thou hast been to thee, O my strength, will I sing. For God is my defense and the God of my mercy. Brother Don, will you pray for the offering this morning?
song, It Is Well With My Soul. I pray that you can say that this morning. Amen. Let's all stand together. Page 182 will be our last song this morning. Page 182, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. We'll sing all three verses this morning. Page 182. God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives because He Because he lives, how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives, but greater still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days because he lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone Because he lives And then one day I'll cross the river I'll fight life's final war with pain And then as death gives way to victory the lights of glory and I'll know he lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know
If you're thankful he lives this morning, say amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Wonderful singing. Just before the message, Brother Tim's going to come sing this morning. There's a call going out across the land in every nation. A call to all who swear allegiance to the cross of Christ. A call to true humility, to live our lives responsibly, to deepen our devotion to the cross at any price. Let us then be sober, moving only in the Spirit. As aliens and strangers in a hostile foreign land, the message we are preaching is repentance and forgiveness. The author of salvation to the dying race of man. To love the Lord our God is the heartbeat of our mission, the spring from which our service overflows. Across the street or around the world, the mission is still the same. Proclaim and live the truth in Jesus' name. As a candle is consumed by the passion of the flame, spilling light unsparingly throughout a darkened room. Let us burn to know him deeper than our service flaming bright will radiate his passions and blaze with holy light. To love the Lord our God is the heartbeat of our mission, the spring from which our service overflows across the street or around the world the mission is still the same proclaim and live the truth in jesus name proclaim and live the truth in jesus name That's exactly what we need to do. Amen. Well, sure glad you're here uh, this morning and want to invite you to stand in honor of God's Word if you're able to stand with me this morning and take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Romans and, and chapter number five. We've been preaching through uh, the book of Romans in our Sunday morning uh, uh, series and, and we know this that and really I think we could just maybe begin at, at chapter number three. We, we know that Paul uh, the Apostle Paul has concluded this, that, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He's talking about every one of us here this morning. So, preacher, I'm a sinner. Yep, we're all sinners this morning. Every one of us have come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. 
Okay, so that means this, all right, then in order for us to have a right relationship with God, we have to receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. All right, that's why He came. That's, you know, the death and, and burial and, and resurrection. Well, chapter 4 then brings us into how we receive this, this righteousness of Christ. And here's what He says, it's by faith. All right, it's, that's, that's opposed to works, all right? That, that means this, that there's no baptism that's going to save you all right, and, and, and give you eternal life and forgiveness of sins. There's no church membership. There's no uh, confession or, or communion or, or any of those things. It, it's, it's repentance toward God in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's when man humbles himself and repents and, and calls out to Christ in, in forgiveness and in salvation. In fact, Paul even went to the Old Testament and Abraham and said, Abraham, he believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That means, that means Abraham was made righteous by faith. That's how you and I are to be made righteous. Now the reason I'm kind of going over all of those things is because, well, as you can see, now we get to chapter number 5. And it starts with therefore. So it's conclusive to all of those things that man is unrighteous, but he can receive the righteousness of Christ by faith. And so he concludes and says, therefore, being justified by faith. There it is right there. Being justified by faith. And here's what he says. He says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, by whom also we have we have access, and here it is again, by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So God's people this morning ought to be rejoicing. Amen. You should be smiling and happy. Stop acting like you're at Walmart. Amen. I don't know why it is, but man, you go into Walmart today and everybody's just so miserable. Because they're in Walmart. I know, but maybe it's because also they need the grace of God. So he says this. He says, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Then he says this in verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And don't, listen, don't, don't let the charismatic crowd freak you out with the Holy Ghost term. That's still a Bible term. Don't let bad doctrine scare you away from Bible terminology. Amen. And so we understand. But here's, here's the idea this morning, okay? So once you've received Christ in salvation, not only have you received the righteousness of Christ, there's a whole lot of other benefits as well. And that's what Paul is, is dealing with this morning. I, just simply this, the benefits of salvation. That's what we're going to look at this morning. But here's the whole idea. If you've been saved this morning, then you have these as well. And you and I need to take advantage of them. I think one of the biggest things today that we're seeing is that God's people are just letting the spiritual things lie around and we're not doing anything with them, which may explain why we're so miserable in Walmart too. But at the same time, if you're not saved this morning, you, you need to be saved. You need to know Christ as your Savior. Because if not, you're going to die and you're going to bust the gates of hell wide open. And I'm not trying to be mean or ugly. I'm just simply, simply giving you a biblical truth 
But you can be saved this morning and have the righteousness of Christ upon you. But then not only that, but you get a whole lot of other benefits of being a child of God as well. Father, would you bless the preaching now, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word. Back around, uh, I guess it was around 1999 or so, I, I don't know why, but everybody says like, you know, when you start talking about 20 or 30 years ago, I keep thinking like the 1980s. That's a bummer, isn't it? But anyways, it was like, it was around 1999, and, and I was working, I was welding in a chemical plant. I, I had, you know, basically learned how to weld in that plant, and it worked for probably about six or seven years off and on there. And uh, the plant was closing down uh, due to some, you know, just the economy at those times and, and things like that. And so I had guys coming to me and saying, hey, man, you can go over here and you can weld pipe in Mobile, Alabama, or you can go to Panama City, Florida. I, I, we were living in Pensacola area at the time. And, uh, you know, they were trying to get me to go to all of these different places, but I had just gotten saved. I got saved in April of 1996, and my oldest daughter had just been born. And so Natalie and I, we, we started, and I, and I know I've, I've told this story before, but we kind of hashed out all the pros and cons and things, and I, I just felt like this. I had, I, had, I had recently been saved, and so I wanted to be in church, and I wanted to grow in my faith. But also, I, you know, my daughter was going to be going to church, and I, di- I didn't want her to get to the place where she was sitting in the pew and looking down, and it was just mom there, dad, dad wasn't there. And so we decided, we said this, money, money ain't everything, all right? And I know that's not Midwest vernacular, but from the south where I'm from, that'll preach, amen? And so that's what we said, that money wasn't everything, and we're going to put God first. And so I started applying locally to some other places there in, in the panhandle of Florida. And it just so happened, you know, I like that. It just just so happened there was another contractor for another chemical plant there that was that was hiring welders. And so I applied and they called me back and said, hey, we want you to come in and take a welding test. And so I came in and, and I took the welding test and part of it I ended up busting out on and I failed the test. And I, man, I went home and I was so aggravated and, and frustrated. I just felt like this was where the Lord wanted me. And so, you know, I just, I, I kept applying and I was praying. And about two or three days later, the guy that interviewed me and, and gave me the welding test, he called me back and he said, Hey man, he said, he said, we're desperate for welders and, and you said something about having some industrial maintenance experiment or experience in, in mechanicals and, and things like that. And so, uh, I tell you what I want to, want to do. I want to bring you back and have you take a mechanics test and it's a written test and you can take that. And if you pass that, I'll hire you in. I'll let you take the welding test again and then we'll transition you over into a welder. And I said, all right, cool. And so I went and I came in and he gave me an ink pen and a big, uh, stack of, uh, you know, a big, uh, test there. And it was about five or six, seven pages stapled together. And he said, he said, here's the deal. He said, take the test. And he said, you can miss 17. And I said, all right, it's good to know. So I started taking the test and I got done and I handed it to him and he pulled out his red ink pen and he started going to town on that thing. And I'm over there sweating and I'm getting nervous. And he finished it and he looked at me and he said, hey, guess what? I said, what? He goes, you missed 17. <laughs> Glory to God. He said, we're going to hire you in. We're going to bring you in and uh, we're going to bring you in as a mechanic. And then you take the welding test. We'll transition you over. And I said, okay. So I finished it and I went back. 
I went back into the uh, back office there and I sat down with the lady and she said, okay, here's what you're, we're going to do. We're going to hire you out. We're going to hire you on and you're going to have a 90-day probation period. And she said, if you, if, you, if you take the drug test and you pass that. I said, okay, I've been studying hard for that one. It's a joke. All right, and you take that one and, and pass that. And you got a 90-day probation period. And then after that, she said, you're going to have all these benefits that are going to be available to you. You're going to have uh, a 401k package and you're going to have uh, health insurance and, and you're going to have dental insurance. And she said, I don't know if you know this, but the plant, the chemical plant that we're at, they own their own golf course. And so you get a discounted member rate. And I went, you should have started with that. <laughs> I was pretty excited. And, and, and so she went down and went through all of these benefits. What, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get across to you, illustrate to you is this is that that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is, is doing in our text. Amen. Is that he's, he's, he's explained the, the righteousness of Christ and how man is a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so every person is in need to receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the only way that you can receive that is to have the biblical faith that Abraham did where it wasn't just a phase of life that he was going through, but Abraham put his faith and his trust in Almighty God in the promise of His Word. And when Abraham done that, it was counted unto him as righteousness. And so when you and I put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But it's almost like God sitting us down now and saying this, okay, you've received the righteousness of Christ. You're now my child. But here's a whole host of other benefits that come along with that. Pretty awesome stuff. I don't know about you, but I, when I got, listen, I, I, I didn't grow up in, a, in a, you know, in, in church. I, I remember when I was growing up, we were holiday Baptists. All right, we went to church on, on Christmas and, and Easter. And by the time I became a teenager, I was following in the sins of my, in my father and, and, uh, you know, alcohol and, and wicked and riotous living. And, and then, uh, by the time I was a young adult, I, I didn't believe in the existence of God at all. I, I bought into the life of evolution and I, and I started going to Victory Bible Baptist Church there in Pensacola, Florida because I met my wife Natalie and her family was in church. Her grandfather was the pastor and her dad was the song leader. So I started going to church and I'm so grateful that the pastor would roll up his sleeves and just take a King James Bible and would simply preach the gospel of Jesus Christ over and over and over again. The death and the burial and the resurrection and that man is saved by grace and through faith. It's not of works. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. And, and he would constantly quote Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if thou shalt uh, thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And, and confessing with thy mouth uh, unto the Lord, and, and believing in thine heart, thou shalt be saved. And so I constantly heard that over and over and over again for like six months. And then I started asking questions, and I sat down with, with uh, Natalie's dad, and he showed me out of the Scriptures how that Christ had risen from the dead in 1 Corinthians 15. I, I thought, man, this is crazy, some guy rising from the dead. And he showed me out of 1 Corinthians 15 how he was seen of over 500 brethren, Paul said, and many of them were alive at that time. And, and what a blessing. And I'm telling you, as soon as that happened, the Spirit of God got a hold of my heart. And I, re and I realized this, that Jesus is the Savior and I'm on my way to hell and I need to be saved. 
And I remember going home that night. I remember stopping at every red light. And I got home that night and I got on my face in my bedroom and I called upon the name of the Lord and asked Him to forgive me. I did exactly what Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. And I called upon the name of the Lord. I asked God to forgive me and to save me. And I'm telling you, at that very moment, He saved me. Now the next day, I called Natalie. And this was our conversation. This is what Natalie said. Did you take care of it? And this is what I said. Yeah, I took care of it. Like we were burying a dead body out in the backyard, man. We, we were just ignorant. We didn't, know, you know, we didn't know those things and all of that stuff. I just knew that you know, God was dealing with me and I called on the name of the Lord and I got saved. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that at that moment, man, all I knew was I was blind and now I see. I had no idea everything that the Scriptures begin to declare that happened unto me at that very moment and the benefits that God has now bestowed upon me as one of His children. The more that I got in the Word of God, the more that I begin to realize all of that stuff and I was like, whoa, that's awesome. And what Paul is doing right here is this, is that he's just kind of, if I could say it like this, he's giving you the, the introductory, if I could, to the benefit package that the child of God receives when they, become, when they are saved and receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Here's what he says. Look at, look at verse number 1. He says, Therefore, being justified by faith, he says, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know what the first benefit is? Here's what it is. Peace with God. Now listen, I, I realize that probably many of us that are in here this morning would consider ourselves Bible students. And probably most of you know this. There are, there are two types of peace, if I could say it like this, that are dealt with in the New Testament. Now watch this. There is peace with God in salvation. Okay, And then there is peace from God during our trials and tribulations. Aren't you glad for that one? Like I love Philippians 4, 6 and 7 that says, Be careful for nothing or full of cares for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. So child of God, when you are burdened, you can go to God in prayer. And the response of that is this, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Through Christ Jesus. What a blessing that is. Amen. And a benefit that is. But what I'm trying to get across to you is this. Is that in our text, it's not talking about that type of peace. The peace that comes from God. It's talking about the immediate peace with God that you and I gain the moment that we trust Christ as our Savior. Now, now I want you to just, if I, I know it's early in the morning. Hopefully you've had more than one cup of coffee. But let me just ask you to engage your brain here just for a minute. And, and let's just note a couple of things here. And, and first would be this. If, if there is peace with God in salvation, then don't you think that means this, that there is no peace with God outside of salvation? In fact, I would, I, would, I would go as far as to say this, and only because my Savior said this, Really, the truth of the matter is, if you've never been saved, you stand in danger of the judgment of Almighty God. I'll tell you something, listen, if you're, you're made the friend of God in salvation, then you're at enmity with God outside of salvation. You, you're made the child of God in salvation, 
then you're the child of the devil outside of salvation. That's what the Lord Jesus said. And I'm saying to you this, it's, it's no different when it comes to, you, you know, before salvation and, and talking about peace. You're, you're not at peace with God. Listen, man, man is a sinner and the wages of sin is death. And man in a sinful condition alone, he is headed to the judgment of Almighty God. Now, now hold your place there in Romans 5. And let me, let me take you somewhere and just show you this. Go with me to John chapter 3. And some very familiar verses here. John chapter 3. Just want to show you some things here. Okay, John chapter 3. This, this, is what, this is what the Lord Jesus proclaims Himself. Okay? John chapter 3. I could say, I could probably say this. We're going to look at verse 16 and say, who can stand up and quote it for me? And hands would probably go up all over this place. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to tell you something. Much of the world knows that. I mean, you see it even at ball games and things like that. People holding up signs. John 316, we were having our softball games out here and there were a bunch of hecklers in the stands. I said, why don't y'all just make signs and have John 316 out there and be quiet, amen? Well, I'm just saying most of the world knows that. John 316, they know that verse. Be a fact, I would even say this. Look at verse 17. It says, for God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. I would say this. I would say much of religion is very well acquainted with that verse. God didn't send His Son to condemn the world. So preacher, why are you condemning me? Well, look at verse number 18. He says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not, he that believeth not, is condemned already. Well, why? Because he, believed, he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, the reason Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, please catch this, is because the world was condemned already. Listen, I'm telling you, this, this is what gets lost in religion today, in all the mumbo-jumbo of the false gospels today that are not offensive or any of those things, and they don't confront man on a sinful condition and the reality of the judgment of God. And I'm telling you, my friend, that is Bible. If you don't have peace with God through Jesus Christ, then you're not going to have peace at all. You stand in danger of the judgment of God. That's right. We went to Branson this past weekend. Son, wild. I remember though one of our first trips we went and we went to the Sight and Sound Theater. And they do a lot of the Christian plays and and things like that. They did Noah's Noah's Ark. Noah and the Ark. It was awesome. Except for when they were bringing the animals through and it smelled like a ranch, amen. (sighs) My wife didn't like it, but I was thinking, I'm hungry. A piece of meat, man. I'm like, listen, it was awesome. What a, what, a, what a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you understand that the ark is a picture of Jesus Christ. You, you weren't on the ark. You, you stood in the judgment of God and you were destroyed in the flood if you weren't on the ark with, with Jesus Christ. And I mean, it was, it was a phenomenal presentation of the gospel. I, I can remember, I cried, man, in the, in the thing. I was like, man, I'm so glad I'm saved. You know, and I'm just crying like a big girl and all that stuff. But I'll redeem myself later on. Just let me help you. Because what happened was this, is that at the end of the thing, a guy comes out 
And he and he what what they do is is that one of the theater workers they they basically they give an invitation they present the gospel, and they give an invitation. And here's here's what he said. He said this now. Now, if you have any any sicknesses, or, or if you have any financial issues, or you have any marital marital problems or, or anything like that, then we invite you to come and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I'm going to tell you something. My face turned red. And that was about the time my wife reached under and grabbed my arm and leaned over and whispered, don't embarrass me. Because I was getting mad. Because you need to listen to this. Man doesn't need to be saved because he has marital issues or financial problems or sicknesses. Please please catch this. don't, Don't get me wrong. Jesus can help you with some of those things. But what I'm saying to you is this, that's like treating the symptom and not the root problem. You know why man has all them issues? Because man is a sinner. And that's why man needs to be saved. And what I'm saying to you this morning is this, is that unless you come to the reality that you are a sinner and that you stand in the danger of the judgment of God and that there is no peace right now between you and God, you can't be saved. You're not going to be saved. But at the same time, once you realize that and you realize you're a sinner and you don't have peace with God, but you do want peace with God, good news! You can come to the justifier by faith and have peace with God. Well, who's the justifier? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That'd be the justifier. It's amazing. I can't, listen, I can't tell you the countless number of times where I've seen people under conviction because they were a sinner who needed to be saved and man, God's dealing with them and they listen, and then they come and, and you sit them down and you take them through even, look, the book of Romans and the Romans roads and show them and go all the way down to Romans 10, 9 and 10 and show them what they need to do. And then they call upon the name of the Lord. And then there's this immediate relief that comes on their face. You know what that's called? Peace. That's called peace with God. I'll never forget, man, I was preaching through the book of Romans uh, back when I was pastoring in Cassville, Missouri at Bible Baptist Church. And I was preaching through the book of Romans and we got to Romans chapter 2 and we had this Hispanic young man that was coming to our services with his, I think it was his girlfriend uh, at the time. And man, he was sitting up back here about the second, third row, back here about, about where Brother Will is. And I was in Romans chapter 2 and I was dealing with the judgment of God because that's what it deals with in Romans chapter 2. I think it's in verse 2 that talks about the judgment of God will be according to truth. Well, that's according to the Word of God because thy word is truth. And I remember dealing with that. And I remember Mike, man, he's sitting on the back pew and we give the invitation and he's doing what we would call white knuckle in the pew. You know what that means? That means he was holding on to that pew. And man, I can, I can vividly remember him trembling during the invitation, holding on to that pew and his knuckles were turned. Man, he was under conviction. And so I stood back at the back and at the end of the service, Mike comes back there and he goes, hey man, he goes, preacher, can I talk with you? And I said, yeah, and we went back into my office. And he starts telling me, I've never been saved. I've never trusted Christ. And I don't want to get, I don't want to go before the judgment of God. And so I took him through the Romans roads and, and, and led him through, uh, the Romans roads and, and he got on his knees and I got on my knees and I prayed and prayed for Mike and, and then Mike called upon the name of the Lord and he got saved. And he stood up in his chair and man, he's wiping away his tears and snot and everything else. And he's like, whew. 
And I go, you got peace with God now, don't you? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I said, hey, you know, we're in the book of Romans. He goes, yeah. I said, let me show you this. I said, turn to Romans chapter 5. And he looks at me and he goes, and he starts laughing. And he goes, preacher, he goes, that is awesome. And not in a weird way. (laughs) I'll never forget that. Not in a weird way. You know why? Because he got exactly what the Bible said you can have. Peace with God. The only way you're going to get it is if you humble yourself. And come to Jesus Christ in salvation and He'll save you. And He'll give you peace with Almighty God. The water can't do what the blood of Jesus Christ can do. I'm sorry. Listen, the church membership can't do what the blood of Jesus Christ can do. Yeah. He goes on to the next one. Look, look at this. He goes, look at number 2. Look at verse number 2 there. Romans chapter 5. He says, by whom also. So here's another benefit. By whom By Jesus Christ. By our Lord Jesus Christ also. We have, and here's what else he says. He says we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the the glory of God. So so not only do we have, do we receive this peace with with, with God here, but here's the other thing. We have privilege to, to access with God. That's what he says. We have access by faith. It's pretty interesting, really, when you look at it in all of its context. We know this, Paul, Paul was dealing with some of the Jews there in Rome. And if you really, and if you study it out, the Jews, the Jews in the Old Testament, they didn't really have access with God. A certain select few did, the Levitical priests. And that was only at select times of the years where, well, the year where they would go back into the Holy of Holies at, and, and, you know, on the Day of Atonement and things like that, and pour the blood out on the mercy seat between the cherubims where, where God dwelt. But we know this, that in the New Testament, all of that changes. Because Jesus Christ, He shed His blood on the cross of Calvary once and for all. And even Matthew's Gospel, it tells us this, that when Christ died on the cross, the veil that was in the temple between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the sanctuary, it says this, it was rent from top to bottom. Do you know what that means? That means this, access with God is now open. That's what it signifies. And what Paul says is this, is that listen, now, now, now you and I, through the blood of Jesus Christ, through our Savior, not only do we have peace with God, but now we have this access. And here's what he says. Here's one of the things he says. Access by faith. Look at this. Into this grace wherein we stand. You just have access to God's grace. Don't get too excited about it this morning, you know. <laughs> what? what Grace. There's a lot of things you and I could, you know, we, we give ourselves to kind of help ourselves just understand the term grace. I, I like, you know, I like uh, the little acronym grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. You know, I, I, I like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's God's unmerited favor. You can't, you can't earn it. You're giving it. It's a benefit. Um, we, we, often, we often define, because mercy and grace are so similar, we use that to help us to understand. Mercy, mercy is not getting what we do deserve, which is hell. But grace is getting what we do not deserve, which is heaven. And, and really, listen, it would take far more than one point 
of one message to discuss all that falls under the umbrella of God's grace. You understand that? I mean, we're saved by grace. Come on, we're saved by grace. We're to live daily by grace. Even he says here, it's by this grace that we stand. So, so you understand, the best way, hey, the best way that I could say it is this. It's God's help. It's God's help. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us come therefore boldly under the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. <laughs> See, because I am now justified, I made His child, I have peace with God, I don't have to go and talk to some priest somewhere. I'm not trying to be crude, but I don't have to talk to a knothead through a knothole. I can go directly to God myself. Why? Because of grace. In fact, I can go and get grace. Help in time of need. Oh, oh come on. And, and don't listen, and don't and don't misunderstand this. It it doesn't mean that, okay, well now that I'm saved, that just means life is going to be perfect and, and without problems, I've got God's grace. No, that's that's not what that means. Because if it is, then why would we need God's help? No, no, no. So that's not what it means. Rather, because life won't be perfect, I now have help. Whereas once I didn't have help. <laughs> it's scary when you're becoming on first name basis with your insurance company. Between the uh, vehicle issues and car wrecks and getting new vehicles and things like that, as of late, it's kind of getting that way. I've been in so much contact with our insurance company. But you know what I found is this is that when you've got a host of questions, you need help and guidance and decision-making, whatever the case may be, I'm telling you, it's nice to be able to reach out to somebody and have some direction and some help. What what I'm trying to say to you is this, though, is that my my insurance is State Farm. I can't call Farmer's Insurance, bumping up, bump, 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 bump. Because I'm not, I'm, I don't belong to them, but but I have access with with State Farm, and so I can go to them and I can get help. And what I, what I'm just trying to illustrate is that it's the same way with God. That once you're His child, you now have this access to Him and, and to obtain His grace in your life. And don't listen. And there's something else about this grace that's important, and I don't want you to get the wrong the wrong interpretation even from that illustration because what I've learned in my life is that it's better to live by God's grace than to do it on your own and mess it up and have to have God's grace to step in. Did you get that? I'm going to tell you something, man. And I, I really do. I hope that if you've been saved, if you're in here this morning and you've been saved for any you know, length of time whatsoever that I hope that you can do like I can where I can look back and I can see God's grace all over my life. Even when I was ignorant of it and didn't understand it. But, but here's what I've come to discover, okay? The more that I saw of God's grace in my past, 
made me aware of how much more I need it now and how much more I need to pray for it for the future. God's grace is not your get out of jail free card. It's to help you live in your daily walk and life with the Lord. It's God's help. And you may be here this morning and go, well, I'm an American and I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to tell you something. There's going to come a day where you're going to need His help. And it'd be best to just go ahead and humble yourself and realize that now and it'll save you from a lot of heartache in life to have God's grace. But here's the other thing. Look at, look at what he says. He says this. He says, by whom we, he says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Listen to this. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying this. You and I also, we have, we have access to God's gladness. His joy. Some of you need that this morning. Do you, do you know this, that God is a God of joy. Do you, do you know that you, you know when He created? I, I love the book of Job, and you can go there when He created the whole earth. It says this that the sons of God, the angels there, they were rejoicing. Do you know this? God created the angels, and He put within them the ability to rejoice. Do you know this? God created you in His image, and He put within you the ability to rejoice. But here's what I found in my day and time: is this is that it seems like we've got it better than we've ever had it before, but we don't rejoice very much. We got padded pews and we got a climate controlled, you know, room that we can meet together in. We come in here with without fear of persecution and things like that, but yet sometimes it looks like we've been eating saltine crackers and drinking dill pickle juice. If you don't know what that looks like, look in the mirror. Just kidding. Some of you I'm not. What I'm saying to you is this is that maybe the reason we like the joy that we should have is because we're not accessing it like God wants us to. Do you understand? I love this. I love this. Let me read you this quote. Someone once said this, and let let me find it in my notes. It says this, Joy is the flag that flies over the castle that says the king is in residence. You know what that means? That means this, Joy ought to be one of the great hallmarks of the believer. And folks, and I, listen, and I, and some of you are going, well, preacher, you don't know. No, no, no. I'm not ignorant of the trials and tribulations that sometimes God's people experience, but I'm also not ignorant to the great neglect that we have in our day and time to be a people of prayer and to be a people that walk with God and that are filled with the Spirit of God and that would have, that would have God's grace and God's joy in our lives. Folks, these are things that benefit the child of God. And it makes no sense that we would just leave them to the side and try to live life without it. God's saying, you can have my grace and you can have my joy. Sounds pretty good to me. Sign me up. I'm in. In fact, look at the next thing here. We'll finish up because some of you are ready for lunch. But look at verse number 3. It says this, And not only so, so that tells us this this goes right along with it, doesn't it? Because he says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. So so not only does it go right along with with this benefits of, of salvation in Christ, but it even makes sense. Well, what do you mean? Well, in verse 2 it says this, 
all right, that we ought to be a people of joy who rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, right? But what happens when trials come along? Well, in verse 3, we find this. He says this, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. (laughs) You know what he's saying? He's saying this, we ought to glory in that as well. Whoa. Well, how do you do that? Well, he keeps going and he says this. He says, he says, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And, and here's what he says, and hope maketh not ashamed. Watch this. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. You see, the last benefit is this, the power of the Comforter. It's the Spirit of God. Listen, listen to this. If you're saved this morning, if there's been a time and place where you humbled yourself and put your faith and trust and called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, the same person that convicted you and drew you to the truth of Jesus Christ, the moment that you called upon Jesus, He made His permanent indwelling in you. I'm talking about the Spirit of God. And He now gives you, listen to this, He gives you a supernatural understanding and strength that you never had. I'm not trying to be weird, I'm being Bible here. And so now, now you can glory in your tribulations. Look, Look at verse 3 again, okay? Stay with me, look at verse 3. He says, and not only so, but we glory... In tribulations also. Now watch this word right here, knowing. You see that? Knowing. You know what that means? That means this, that He changes your mind and helps you to understand the purposes of tribulations. He, and here, here's, so here's what He says. He says tribulations lead to patience. You know what trials do? They cause you and I to be dependent upon God. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to turn you to God and cause you to be dependent upon Him. And don't act like we're, you know, always dependent upon God. Because we're not. So, so tribulations lead to patience. But now watch this. He says, as we do, He says, patience leads to experience. Okay, what, what does that mean? Well, that means this. That means we begin to learn and see the faithfulness of God. And turns out He knows what He's doing. Don't look at me. Oh, well, I preach. I've never thought that. You've never been in a tribulation then. Or you've had questions and wondering why. God knows what He's doing. No, no, but watch this. And then he says this, and experience leads to hope. Which literally means this. It means confidence. Hope doesn't mean, well, I wish. You know, I hope I get, you know, a new set of golf clubs for Christmas. No, hope in the Bible means confidence. Hope, experience leads to hope, which literally means confidence. This means this. Now watch this. This means that as we've seen God... Always work it out for His honor and His glory. 
we can have no doubt that He will do the same thing again. And when you get to that place where you understand that, you might find yourself glorying in tribulation. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like someone once said, you, you, can either, you can keep telling God how big your storm is, or you can start telling your storm how big God is. <laughs> it just depends on where you're at in the chart here. When you get down to the end and experience and hope, God's in control. God, God has it. See, no, no, no. See, watch this. No, stay, stay with me. I'm almost done. Because here's the point. See, in the midst of all the chaos and struggles that, that tribulations bring, it's very easy for the child of God to become confused about things. Well, am I still saved? Am I a child of God? Does God hate me? Is God, is God against me? What, what's going on? Well, no. See, Paul says this. No, you've got this benefit. See, see the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. And so therefore, my friend, we have to conclude, as the Scriptures do, that though we may not understand the reasons why we're going through what we're going through, God has a plan. And God is still in control. And He still loves you. And He still cares about you as you're going through the tribulation. When God chastens us, He still loves us. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. I mean, come on, friend. And even when we go through trials, in Romans 8, 28 and 29, God still loves us, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to His purpose. I mean, listen, He's just conforming us to the image of His Son. Look, I'm, I'm telling you, it's the Holy Ghost of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts that helps us to understand in those times that though things are difficult and maybe it doesn't feel like there's grace, there is grace and God still loves you and cares about you. You belong to Him. I, I, don't, I don't think, uh, I was thinking about that. We, we went on vacation back in, back in July and we always go down to the panhandle of Florida and visit family and you know fish and things like that and I, I don't think I'll ever forget this trip we had back home this year and things were going good we're having a great time in the van traveling home and thinking about all the you know the great weeks uh, week that we had and uh, you know I, I can remember we were having lunch at the Cracker Barrel with our family there before we hit the interstate and and we got through, and we're sitting there at the red light waiting to get on the interstate. My mom's behind us, and she's crying, and, and she's short. And so she reaches over to get a tissue, and when she does, her foot comes off the brake, and she whams right into us. I was like, oh my, this is going to be interesting. We get about to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and the air conditioner goes out in July in the south. Then the thermometer starts going all over the place and come to find out we blew a head gasket we made it to jonesboro arkansas that night had a hotel room and got a call later on that night we we're in the hotel room comes to find out we were exposed to covid we did end up getting covid the next day we got back on the road and was trying to make it home and trying to nurse the minivan home and man we're going down the road in, in jonesboro my wife is sitting next to me both the windows are down in the van so we can stay cool she is praying and had been reading her Bible and a bee flies in the window and hits her in the face. 
You cannot make this stuff up. That's when I knew it was the devil because that's Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies. Amen. And You know, it kind of got to that point where all we could do was laugh to keep from crying. You know, so much stuff going on. But you know what? I, you know, we, we kept thinking, you know, it could have been a lot worse. And we kept rejoicing and, and thankful. Just trusting in the Lord. That's all you can do. And we got back. We started Vacation Bible School. And 17 kids called on the Lord to be saved that week. I looked at Eric. I said, that's worth a blown head gasket in COVID. Amen. And then God turned my minivan into a Jeep. That's pretty awesome. Amen. It's thankful there was no wood paneling involved, right? And folks, I, I listen, I, I realize people go through much more difficult things than that. I we have too. But the one thing that I know is this, that in the midst of those things, if we'll just turn to God and trust Him, what you'll find is this, He's faithful. He's faithful. Say, preacher, I don't understand why. I've gotten on the other side of this and I don't understand why. Yeah, but you understand God's faithful. So I'm going to tell you something. There may just be things you'll never have to, you'll never understand why until you get there. But He's still faithful. Listen, I'm through. I'm going to leave you with this, though, and I want you to listen to this. Okay. What bothers me is that these are the benefits of being a child of the King. Amen. You have peace with God. You have access to His grace and His joy. And you can even learn and grow through your tribulations to glory in Him. But what scares me in our day and time is that we've got people who claim to know Christ as their Savior and they don't demonstrate having any of these benefits. Instead of peace, it just seems like there's just constant chaos. Instead of grace and joy, it's more like anger and malice. And even glorying in tribulations has become envy and bitterness. And I, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to make anybody doubt their salvation or anything like that, but the Bible does say this, to examine yourselves and see whether you be in the faith. And I realize this, I realize people can trust Christ as their Savior and genuinely be born again of the Spirit of God and get away from God. I understand that. But I also understand this, there can be people that claim to know Christ as their Savior, but really don't know Christ as their Savior. Because they've never really humbled themselves and repented and called out upon to Jesus Christ to be saved. And what I'm saying to you this morning is this. Is that if you've been saved, you've got access to this. And we ought to take advantage of it. But if you've not been saved, then today, today, needs to be the day of salvation. Today. Let's all stand.